and uh, in a confused sort of way about sainthood. But what he was talking about was something that we know, and some of you know from your own backgrounds or how you were raised, perhaps, something called uh, beatification. Beatification. Beatification in the Roman Catholic Church is a declaration by the Pope that a dead person is in a state of bliss, constituting a step toward canonization and permitting public veneration or public acclaim or applause or worship in a sense. But the truth is that much of the world is totally confused about how God looks at the whole idea of what it means to be a saint. And that's what he's directed me to bring to you this morning. That there is a lot of confusion in our world today about God's view of who is a saint and who is not. So Paul keeps writing these letters and these communications to the churches that he started all around the country over the course of his ministry, and he's calling people saints. Well, the word saint comes from the word hagios, and hagios means holy. If you're taking notes, saint is from hagios. Hagios means holy or set apart holy. That is exactly what we have done with these elements here. Here here on on the table is a loaf of bread representing the body of Christ. And here is the cup, the juice, representing the blood of Jesus Christ. And so you see the communion tray and you see see the elements there. And those are elements that are symbols. They are set apart as holy, as sacred. That's what hagios means. In the New Testament, and that's really what matters, in the New Testament, to be classified a saint is not not determined by a spiritual letter grade, as in A, B, C, D, or God forbid, an F. We can all relate to that, having been in school. But to be classified a saint is not determined by a letter grade. Anything less than an A means no sainthood. Anything less than an A means no sainthood. In fact, it's more appropriately characterized by something that sometimes we like and sometimes we may not like in a class, and that is pass-fail. You don't get a grade. You either pass or you fail. There is no in-between. There is no B, C, or D. It's an A or an F, so to speak. Pass, fail. If you are in Christ, the New Testament says, you pass as a saint. If you are not in Christ, you fail as a saint. That's New Testament teaching. Therefore, All true believers, and you know who you are, we know who we are, All not just people who say they are, not people who just act like they are, not people who just attach themselves to a life-giving church, or wrote a book about it, or sang a song about it, whatever, but true, true believers, they know who they are, all true believers are 
saints, even though after becoming Christians, we still occasionally fail God and have sins in our, sin in our lives. But we don't lose our status as saint over a spiritual stumble because there are no perfect saints. There is one perfect Jesus, but no perfect saints, only forgiven saints, who when they fail, understand the need to repent, understand the need to apologize to God, to get back up for Christ, and refuse to live in the former bondage of the hog trough as we once did. Now, where do you get that? You get that from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And this is a powerful verse. I got this in my head many years ago, and it has helped me many, many times. I, I trust it will help you if you don't have it already. And here's what it says. What shall we say then? This is to true believers. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. Here's the verse. Here's the word. Here's the one to memorize. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So here's the, here's the thing. When we find a great example in this life of a believer in Jesus Christ, let's understand that he or she is no more saint. I'm talking about some of us here in this, in this place and, some of, and, and all around in great life-giving churches all around the world. You find a person who's been walking with Jesus for many years and who is, is living, as near as we can tell, a reasonably exemplary life for Jesus. And we will call we would call them a saint because the Bible says if you're a true believer, you're a saint. That's what Paul called them. But we need to understand that that person is no more a saint according to the New Testament than a young, still immature, growing believer in Jesus who needs to stretch and grow and mature, but whom Paul would say is also a saint because they are a true believer in Jesus Christ. Anyone who is a true believer in Jesus Christ, Paul calls a saint. All saints are forgiven saints. All saints will occasionally, and I want to emphasize occasionally, stub their spiritual toe. But they know to get back up, to confess that, and to remember Jesus said, if you said you were dead to this kind of behavior, then how can you continue to walk in it? How can you be like the dog that goes back to the vomit and licks it back up? This is not the sign of a saint. A saint is someone who has trusted Christ to save them and who has pledged to serve Christ by living as Jesus taught. And so Paul addresses this group of people at Philippi, the saints, the true believers. And they have, by an act of God's mercy at the cross, which we just celebrated, which we just drew close, close to, and the symbol of the sacrifice that it took for us to, to have our sins forgiven 
and to be cleansed of, of, of the, the taint of sin and the, 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 the breach between us and God. We drew close to that beautiful symbol. And they have, by an act of God's mercy at the cross and by an act of faith on the part of the believer, become holy and set apart for holy use. And to some extent, to put it in just plain old simple language, and I really love this about Adrian Rogers. Some of you know Adrian Rogers. He's gone to be with the Lord. He built a wonderful, he and his people built a wonderful church, Bellevue Baptist Church in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I've been there. I, I, knew, I knew Pastor Rogers. I had the privilege of being with him and in his study, and I've shared that with a few of you from time to time. But this is why Adrian Rogers, the preacher, said it this way when he's talking about Paul's use of the term saints. He said it's about saints and ain'ts. Saints and ain'ts. And here's what he said. There are only two kinds of people on earth right now. There are saints and there are ain'ts. There are none in the middle. No B, C's, D's. There are none in the middle. There's no fence that anyone can sit on when they're having indecision about whether to be saved or not. You are either saved and have escaped the wrath of God, or you are not saved and have the wrath of God still awaiting you on Judgment Day, Revelation 20. You must choose before you die or before Christ comes back, which could be at any moment, where you will spend eternity. It will be either in the New Jerusalem or the Lake of Fire. There is no place in between. So are you a saint saved by grace or a sinner destined for hell for all eternity? So he put it pretty plain, didn't he? The saints and the ain'ts. Now when the mind of secular man begins to add uh, to the scriptures, and they do all the time, you hear it all the time, there's every kind of a, you know, I've, the, the staff uh, and the leaders of the church who are around me uh, very much have often heard me say there are many different ways to get to Indianapolis. Lots of different routes to get to Indianapolis. And some people think there are lots of routes and lots of different ways to get to peace with God or to inherit eternal life or to get to the good, good side or whatever it is. But when the secular mind begins to add to the scriptures, which it does quite often, it has a way of getting off into the weeds and that video showed that because the comedian was giving us a, a rendition of what it means to be venerated, to be a saint. Oh, he's talking about, he's talking about a man, uh, in, in this case, the Pope, and uh, giving uh, a direction as to how does a person become a saint. And talking about you have to have completed at least two miracles, and it has to, there has to be a period of at least, what, 10, 20 years? I'm not sure what, I didn't read up on it. But there's all these rules and regulations about being a saint, and the New Testament says nothing about that. What it says is if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint to God. You're a saint, and he expects us to live that way. I love the Greek translation of the New Testament by Dr. Kenneth Wiest. Uh, it's a great checkup. He's a, he's a tremendous Greek scholar, and he, he wrote what was an expanded translation of, of the uh, New Testament from the Greek. It's not always pretty to listen to. Sometimes it's a little choppy. Sometimes it doesn't flow kind of like we speak, but it gives the literal 
feeling of what the, uh, what the Holy Spirit was saying through these verses. And so I want to put that on the screen for you this morning. And I want to give you, instead of the New American Standard, or some of you have the NIV, some of you have the King James Version, you have different versions, they all say the same thing. But this may help us to understand why are we taking a few moments in the study of Philippians on, cha on chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. In fact, why can't we just move a little faster through this book? Would that be all right? No, I can't. I can't because it's important for us to understand who a saint is. Amen. Especially if I have your funeral one day and you're living like the devil and the family expects me to talk like you're, you, you're going to heaven. And there's no testimony to it. That's an that's a awkward place to be as a pastor, as a leader of a memorial service. When there's no evidence and no testimony that a person ever knew anything about Jesus Christ at all and that really didn't care much about it. But I'm supposed to, because they gave 20 bucks at your birthday, act like they, they're going to heaven. You see how ridiculous that is. It's important for us to understand these things and how we witness and how we approach life. And we're all going to be sitting in the funeral parlor from time to time with friends and loved ones and whatever. And these things will go through your mind and hopefully it will help us. So here's, here's the Greek rendition from Kenneth Wiest on, on uh, saints. Paul and Timothy, bond slaves by nature, the property of Christ Jesus. Wow. You know, we already talked about bond slaves, bond servants. Remember that? We talked about that. And we said this isn't about, this isn't about racism and, and, and slavery. This is about something entirely different. But can, isn't that a great way to say that? The property of Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? If you, if you have claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior, have you thought of yourself as property of Jesus? That's a, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty good um, word there. But then he goes on to say, the property of Christ Jesus to all the what? To all the consecrated and separated ones in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi together with overseers and deacons. In other words, he wasn't saying the overseers and the deacons were at a higher level. He was saying it's along with the rest of the saints the true believers in Jesus Christ. Now, there may have been some people who were showing up for service at Philippi who had never really prayed to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That may have happened. He doesn't tell us that. But what he does say for those who have done it, who have meant it, and Jesus has come to be your Savior and your, and your Lord, uh, along with the leaders who obviously, they wouldn't be leaders in the life of the church, hopefully, if they didn't have a testimony like that, to these ones, these are the saints, to these saints, he says, in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, together with the overseers, uh, may grace and peace uh, touch your lives. Now, if Uncle Charlie, who just died, was an ain't, then please don't expect the pastor officiating at Uncle Charlie's memorial service to describe him as a saint who went to heaven. Ask God to help that pastor speak the truth to the people who might need to hear it in the kindest, most loving, and non-judgmental way we possibly can. And pray that a testimony somehow will come out of an experience like that. Can I get an amen on that? All of our staff try, to try, try our very, very best to do that every time we have an opportunity. It's like I said earlier, it's pass or fail. There are no B's, C's, and D's letter grades in between. 
And that is why Paul uses three words coming up. Three words to follow the whole saint concept. And here are the three words. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Where are you going with that? Well, here's where we're going with that. We're going right back to the opening scripture that we led the service off with. All the way back to the Old Testament. Before Jesus had physically appeared, died on a cross, whatever. Way back in Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's way back there. Chapter 14 and verse 2. And God is giving us a picture of what He's wanting to do with the human race. And He started with the, the children of Israel and the Jews. And He wanted to use them as a special people uh, to, to prepare the way for the coming Christ who would come and usher in the church age and the work that we're doing even now as we await Jesus to come for his bride. So let's read it again. We read it together, but let me just read it for you. 14.2 For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. Holy. Remember that word holy? You are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people's who are on the face of the earth. Say, well, well, what criteria did God use to pick those people? He doesn't tell us. So, well, well, what right does God have to pick this people over this people? He's God. It's His business. Amen? And in His infinite wisdom, He chose this people, and they should be glad. Amen? And God has chosen us in this day, in this age, and we should be glad. Philippians is a book about joy. When you begin to understand these things theologically, you begin to understand what the foundation for true joy is. And that is knowing that we belong to this peculiar race of people that God has chosen. And, and you're here this morning by God's action. And, and if you're a believer and have been for some time, or if you're a new believer, it is by God's choice and His action that you are here. And if you are not a true believer and you're an ain't and you know it, you don't want anybody telling you that in your face, but down deep inside you know you're an ain't, you're not a saint, then God, I believe, has thoroughly designed you to be here today to hear about this. Can I get an amen on that? That's how that's supposed to work. That's, that, that's why we study the Word of God. Now, let me, bring us, let me bring us into the New Testament era hinging off of what God said in Deuteronomy way back about the children of Israel being a special people that He chose. Notice what He says about the church. 1 Peter 2.9. Listen to this. It sounds strangely familiar. In fact, that verse is quoted here. But you, this is Peter, you are a chosen race, he's saying, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness, sin, lostness, into His marvelous light, the revelation that Jesus died so that you, could, you and I could be set free from, from, the, from the penalty of sin. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mercy. That is, if you have trusted Jesus and now been classified by God as a saint. That's why Jesus said in John 17, follow this, follow this scripture, it's just, just really precious. But now 
I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Jesus wants his people, the saints, to be full of his joy. Joy, my joy made full in them. I have given them your word. It's like Jesus saying, Father, I have given the people your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I, Jesus, am not of the world. So what Jesus is saying is that, that, that the saints are not of this world. If you're a true believer, then you're classified as saint. And if you're classified as saint, Jesus says, then you're, you belong to me. And you should be happy because you're not of this world. Because Jesus said, I am not of this world. I, I'm of a different world. I'm of a world that I'm taking you to one of these days when the Father sends me. But I am not of this world, and therefore if you're in me and I'm in you, then you're not of this world either. That's why he said in, in John 18, 36, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would have drawn the sword. They would have fought so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. We, symbolically speaking, as saints, follow me as I, as I begin to bring, bring this to a conclusion. Symbolically speaking, as saints, we are literally breathing in a heavenly atmosphere even though we are living in an earthly atmosphere. Now that sounds like double talk. What I just said is as saints who are not of this world, because Jesus said, I'm not of this world, and if you're in me and I'm in you, then you're not of this world. And I just said, we're breathing a different air than the rest of the world is breathing, even though we're living in the same earthly atmosphere as the rest of the world. Say, so how can that be? It is because the intake of the Word of God, the Bible, what we've just been reading from, is like breathing in a life-sustaining air that the world desperately needs but cannot get without Jesus. It, it, it's, it's, it's like, it's like uh, somebody being, doing uh, underwater diving and you get down uh, 75 feet and then something happens and, and your, your uh, tube, your air tube, it gets cut. And, and you cannot get air in your lungs. And you are desperate for a breath of air, a life-giving air. And there isn't any because you are in the realm of water. You cannot breathe water. You want to breathe the water, but you know it won't work. And death is imminent if you do. You need a breath of something that will save you. And you want to reach over to a friend and borrow, hopefully that's there, and borrow their mask for just a breath of air to be able to sustain life. It, it's, like, it's like we go out these doors and we go into this world, into our highways and byways of life throughout this week, and it's like everybody that we 
not everybody, but many of the people that we see and mix with are breathing in carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that begins to dull the senses. And then ultimately, if you breathe it in long enough, it takes a person to their death. God has given saints, not the ain'ts, God has given the saints heavenly air from heaven in our times of worship, in our times of praying, in our times of quiet time with Him, and in our studies in His Word of Truth. This morning, if you would just breathe in a big breath for a second. Taking in Philippians 1, 1 and 2. It's like breathing in heaven's oxygen, so to speak. And because we, we're from a different place. We belong to a different place. And the carbon monoxide that everybody else is breathing that is dulling their senses and confusing them and they're trying to put two and two together and they can't figure out why I like the dog do they keep going back to the same vomit and the same sins and they can't get victory over addictions and can't get their life in order and can't seem to make a difference in this life or whatever and just wandering and stammering around and can't make sense of life. And we need a breath of heavenly Air, and that's what the Word of God, that's what worship does. That, that's why you can't be missing church. You can't be missing your quiet time. You can't be missing your times of prayer with God. Because when you do these things, when we do these things collectively and even individually, we are taking in fresh air from heaven because we're not from here anymore. This air doesn't satisfy us anymore. It just doesn't work anymore. I wasn't planning to share this, but I, I, I said this maybe before to some of you. But, you know, when our son was fighting the cancer at 14, and you've heard me tell the story about how he had the oxygen machine in his room. And as he was getting closer and closer to the end, and we didn't know, we were praying and asking God for a miracle. But we had the machine on. And you know what, girls? You know what, girls? He was struggling to breathe. It was like carbon monoxide. He couldn't breathe. The, the cancer was in his lungs. And it was occupying the space in his lungs. And, 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 it, and it was stopping the process of oxygen rejuvenating his blood in his body. And, and, and he looked at me as I was going out of the room one day. And he said, Dad, could you turn the machine up a little higher? And I looked at Cynthia and I said, it's as far as it'll go. What will we do? Now what are we going to do? The oxygen of this life was no longer able to sustain his precious body. God, God blessed him and took him out of that misery and gave him heavenly lungs. Oh, yes. And so today he is happy and I, we all look forward to joining him. But until then, it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. And so if you're skipping church for every reason under the sun, if every time you turn around, your family and your relatives are inviting you away from church when you know we're having church services. Listen, can you miss a few times every now and then and not, not, and not you know, you can suck it up and hold your breath for a little bit, can't you? You can do that every once in a while. 
It's not a sin. It's not the unforgivable sin to miss church. But I'll tell you what, you start getting in the habit of missing it all the time and missing the worship and missing the praying and missing your quiet time and all of a sudden you're sucking carbon monoxide before you know it. And you're not being replenished and the blood is not being revitalized and refreshed and cleansed and straightened out. Today's word is like breathing in a different kind of air. It's that heavenly air. Well, in her quiet time, I close with this. In her quiet time, Marie Barnett, who's married to a worship pastor of all people, she was having her own personal quiet time. And she would oftentimes journal what God was speaking to her in her quiet time, sucking in some heavenly air, you know. And so she wrote, she wrote uh, some notes in her journal after a particular day of quiet time. And she thought, well, that's just for, that's just for you, Lord. I just, you know, I just wrote these thoughts down, and so thank you for giving them to me. And then she never thought any more about it. And she even had a little tune kind of running through her head as she was working on that in her, in her quiet time. This is, this is heavenly air coming through her quiet time and writes these things down. And so some weeks later, she never thought any more about it. You can read her testimony. I read it on the internet. You can read her testimony. She never thought anything about it. My husband's the worship guy. I'm not the worship person. But she did write these thoughts down from heaven. And it meant something to her. And she said, we were at our church in Mission Viejo, California, one Sunday evening, and we were singing some songs. And we were singing the song, the little chorus, Isn't He Wonderful? Wonderful, isn't he? Some of it, we've sung that before. And she said, we just kept singing that over and over and over. And she said, all of a sudden, I broke out with these words that I had written to Jesus in my quiet time. And she said, I began singing it. And the whole church began singing it. And she said, I never really thought too much more about it, but it was a special intimate moment with God and she said, later in the week, I had people came up to me and said, hey, you know that song you were telling it, showing us uh, at church last Sunday? Yeah. So, well, I've had that in my head. It's been running around in my head all week long. And it just, it really brought me close to God. And I just felt like I was more intimate with God because thank you for giving that to us. And she thought, oh, well, that's special. And she was glad for it, but she never thought any more about it. Until one day, Brian Dirksen, he's famous in music. Some of you know that name. Someone named Michael W. Smith. Someone named Rebecca St. James. Over a period of time began to call her and said, would you, would you be all right if we recorded your song? And she said, well, I never thought anything about it. But yes, of course. And so they recorded the song. I'm going to play it for you right now. And this is not Michael W. Smith or Rebecca St. James. This is the lady who wrote it, singing about heavenly air. Listen to it.
if you are an ain't there's so much love that God has for you today and my prayer is that before you leave this place you'll come and see one of us and you'll let us help you through the word of God become part of a peculiar people a heavenly people living in this realm and yet living amongst people who need what we know I encourage you to give your heart to Jesus Christ today. For the rest of us, you know, the study of, first, of Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, uh, most of us have heard this song before. Doesn't this give it a little more depth and meaning as you listen to her words? You can understand why Jesus may have given her these thoughts in her, in her quiet time. It's a precious thing to take a deep breath of heavenly oxygen this morning. Thank you to the Apostle Paul for reminding us that we are saints, true believers are saints, and that we are in Christ and he is in us, and we are a peculiar people. I wish I had time to tell you how protective that is for us, living inside the circle of God's protective care. Would you stand with me? If you're an ain't, don't be ashamed. All of us start out as ain'ts. All of us need to come to the end of ourselves and reach out to Christ. He loves you and he wants to meet with you today. Won't you come and just allow us to meet you and to pray with you and to be a blessing. And if you need a fresh touch or if you need to kind of get back to the, the heavenly air, the heavenly oxygen and had really kind of got caught up in living life and being so busy, whatever, remember, you're not of this world. Not if you're a true saint. You're not of this world. Neither am I. And so we have, a, we have a strange reaction to some of the movies that are out. And we have a strange reaction to some of the things coming out of Washington, D.C. And we have a strange reaction to, uh, to, to abortion. And we have strange reaction to certain things. And the world hates it, doesn't understand it. You wonder, why, why are we so different from the rest of the world? It's because we're a peculiar people. Amen? And I'm kind of glad for that, aren't you? Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us out, choosing us, and making us a special people. Lord, we know that you love all mankind and that you don't want to see anybody lost. And so help us to uh, take in that heavenly oxygen and not just keep it to ourselves, but help us to breathe it out on people that are hurting, that are suffocating, trying to live their life without a Savior, without a God. Help us, Lord, to be agents of compassion and mercy to those that are in need. And help us, Lord, as we rally together as the true family of God to encourage one another and show one another love. Forgive us where we've failed and strengthen our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you prepare to leave this morning, don't forget, we need soup. We need desserts. We need uh, goodies. 